for that opportunity for us to just kind of come together. Hey, do me a favor, boys. Why don't you sit up here for me? I'd love to see you. You're kind of in the shadow, really creepy. Like, I don't know if you got a gun or if you're just taking notes. Why don't you sit up here in the front of me? Hey, hey Ron, be a leader, baby. Show them how to do it. Yeah, it's not a far jump. You can just walk right over there. It's quick. <laughs> it's a little easier when you're speaking because if not, it's just shadows and, and it gets awkward. I want to see your pretty faces. Your parents made you for that reason. Thank you, David. Appreciate you. Uh, and part of why I want you to come in is I think it's important when we come together that we come together. You know what I'm saying? I want to make sure that when the people of God come together, we are together. How many know you can be in the same room and not be together? Yeah. Right? You, you can be in the same experience, the same classes, same situations, and not be together. And, uh, I was reminded of this big time uh, this past Saturday. This past Saturday was my 20-year high school reunion, so I felt mega old. And, uh, you know, they did a few different things. We went to the, the school in the morning for anybody who wanted to, and we got a school. So actually, Josiah was in there checking out the alma mater. I still got to tell you all the stories about your folks. Um, we were checking out all these things. And I'm not going to lie to you. Like, I was a little nervous beforehand because I'm like, man, I haven't seen these people in 20 years. And, you know, like, I'm a little bigger. I'm a little uglier maybe. But uh, actually, I'm a little handsomer, I think. But a little bigger still. And so, like, I was still in my head about it. Like, are they going to ask questions? And how are you doing in life? And all this stuff that really you don't want to get into. But, and then the worst scenario is like, well, what if, what if nobody remembers me? Right? Because it's a big graduating class. And so, uh, we had about 1,000 people that graduated. And the longer, we got, like, this Facebook page for our alumni. And I am looking at that page half the time going, man, I don't know none of y'all. Like, maybe you, your face just looks differently or, or years have passed by. So I had all these weird worries going on in my head, and luckily my wife, she said, no, I want to go, and she kind of encouraged me, motivated me to get up and, and go. We took our son with us and able to do this whole tour, took pictures with my son and some of my spots that I used to hang out in, and uh, right off the bat when I got there, you know, there was a number of people who were like, Joey, and I was like, oh, that feels nice, and some of my friends, Joey, and I was like, oh, I haven't seen you in front, and then like really quickly, it's like we were back in, I don't know, 2002, 2003? Shut up. We went, we went all the way back to those high school days. And you know, it's crazy how quickly the people you had come together with, you could come together again. Because we have these shared experiences, these shared bonds, these shared, uh, you know, just outlines. And even now, like we're sitting there complaining. Any Lane Tech people here now? Anybody go to Lane? Oh, you all the people that didn't get in? Okay, no offense. Talisa, I got my Talisa. Where's she at? There you go, girl. They were telling me, they're like, now they have five minutes to get between classes. I'm like, I only have four minutes, and that was a doozy, and that was hard to do. But I'll tell you, just kind of being together with everybody again, it was so encouraging. It was so powerful. It was fun, and people are already talking, like, when are we going to do it again? And I was like, yeah, next 20 years maybe, but I don't want to see you every week. But here's the reality, and this is what I wanted to share with you guys tonight. It is so incredibly vital that this group stay together that this crew hangs out with each other, builds relationships with one another, grows with each other. I've always said this, but if you're new to me, I think it's important for you to understand is that this is your youth ministry. This is not Pastor Izzy's youth ministry. This is not Pastor Joey's youth ministry. This is not the leader's youth ministry. Their time passed. This is your youth ministry. And so if you're coming on Thursday going, "Eh, Excel sucks. With all due respect, you suck because it's your youth ministry. So if there's anything you don't like about it, work towards making it better. If you're like, man, I wish worship was more dynamic, then worship more dynamically. I wish more people came, then bring more people. I I wish, you know, we got more out of it, then dig more into it. Like, it is all within your hands because it's 
youth ministry, right? Like I did a school tour on a Saturday in the morning. I can't do that same tour on a Tuesday at one o'clock. How many know I'll get arrested and my white van will be towed and we'll all be in trouble. That's just not the way things work. You are the ones in that environment. You are the ones that can reach your friends, reach your neighbors, reach the people that are your age. But that will be very difficult to do if you don't learn to do it together. So I have a scripture I want to share with you in the book of Hebrews, chapter 10, verse 24 through 25. If you don't have your Bibles, which you should, I know Pastor Izzy's been enforcing and really encouraging you guys to bring your physical Bible. You're going to want to write this down. Hebrews 10, 24 through 25. Listen to what the word of the Lord says. Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. And let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do. But encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. I'm going to read that one more time. Let us think of ways to motivate one another. In other words, let's be intentional about motivating each other towards acts of love and good works. And let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. There's a few thoughts I have here that I think are important for you and I to understand. And the first one is this. God is calling you to motivate one another. To think of ways to motivate one another. Right? Some days, we just don't feel like it. Right? Some days, I just don't feel like getting up. Sometimes, I just don't feel like being good. Some days, I don't feel like going to church. Even now, some days, I don't feel like going to church. And I work here. And this is like my calling. But the humanity in me, there are days where I just don't feel like it. I don't feel like doing my homework. I don't feel like listening to your parents. Like, there are just days. I mean, am I wrong? Are there not days where you just don't want to do it? And somebody would ask you, like, well, why not? Dude, I just, just don't want to. There's no, like, deep reason. There's no psychological depth. It's like, dude, seriously, I just, not today. Just don't feel like it today. Now, some of those situations might be chemical, might be depression or anxiety. Some of them might just be, you know, the time of day where you're at in life, what's going on and the situations that are occurring. We all have different reasons for why we feel the way that we feel. But what's important to understand is that there's going to be days where we don't feel like it. We all go through those seasons where we don't even feel like getting up, where we're just so lazy. You ever been so lazy you don't look for the remote, you just watch what's on TV? You know what I'm talking about? Like, you don't even want to watch it. Like, it's just playing another one. You're like, I don't even want to get up. You ever been so lazy on the couch or in bed that you contemplated how much time you have before you actually pee your pants? You know what I'm saying? Like, like, man, I really got to pee, but I don't want to get up. I think I can last a little bit longer. Some of the guys in the front row probably missed that mark a few times, but it's okay. It's cool to pee your pants. Like, we have issues like that sometimes where we're so lazy or we're so tired that we just don't feel like getting up. And I'll take that into this. Listen, there are days you just don't feel like reading your Bible. You know you should. You know it's going to help you. You know there's going to be a benefit of it. You just don't feel like doing it. There's days you just don't feel like doing your homework. You know you have to. You know you need to put your grades up. You know this is an important time in the school year to get ready for graduation. But you just don't feel like it. There are days where you just don't feel like listening to your parents. I don't want to clean my room. I don't want to you know, take care of the dishes. I don't care how loud the salsa music is. I don't want to get up and I don't want to do it. There are days where you don't feel like it, but listen what scripture says in Hebrews chapter three, verse 13 says, but exhort one another every day, as long as it is called today, 
that one of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. That none of you, I'm sorry, may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. The word exhort means to influence someone toward word or action. To strongly motivate them to do something. We need people in our corner that are going to stop us from being lazy. Like on Saturday, what I mentioned, I didn't want to go. I didn't say it. I didn't vocalize it. But my wife, kind of seeing the hesitation the night before, says, I'd like to go check out your old school. And I was like, really? Yeah, that'd be cool, you know? Like, yeah, she, we didn't go to high school together. It'd be cool to show her my school. And not knowing then, but finding out later, she goes, I know you didn't feel like I know you were hesitant, but I know you would take me. That's why I said I wanted to go. And I was like, and that's why I love you, babe. Thank you for being my wife, right? We need people in our lives that are going to encourage us. I told the church last night, uh, Pastor Izzy, if you're watching, we'll give you a shout out in case you didn't hear last night's sermon. But uh, <clears throat> when I first became the lead pastor, we're at this big meeting with all the churches in our state. And there's this kind of controversial thing going on. And everybody's voicing their opinions and everybody's chiming in. And I kind of felt like, man, I should probably say something. But I'd only been the lead pastor for like 29 days. Uh, this is kind of a new environment. I wasn't sure. I was hesitating. Pastor Izzy sitting next to me and a couple of my friends are around me. And I'm like, man, I don't know. I feel like I'm, I'm trying to get them to say something. And they're like, no, we can't. Da, da, da. Man, I just feel... I don't know. And then one guy would go up and say something, make the situation worse. Another guy went up and said something, made the situation worse. I'm like, okay, man, I really, I, I really feel like I need to say something. And then I go over to Pastor Izzy. Mind you, I'm only 29 days in. He's only a month in too. So I turn to him and I go, bro, I don't know. I feel like maybe I should go up there. He looked me in the eyes and goes, you are Joey Silva, lead pastor, Belmont Assembly of God. You do what you want. I was like, yeah, I do what I want. That's right. So I got up in front of hundreds of people and I shared something that I didn't know if it'd be popular or not. But I don't think I would have done that if I didn't have motivators. You ever had somebody in your life that you know, man, I wouldn't have been able to accomplish this if I didn't have that person pushing me. If I didn't have that person not letting me get lazy, not letting me quit. And the scripture takes it a step further. Not only are we going to motivate people, because sometimes we motivate people to do bad things. Like again, walking through the high school, I'm like, yeah, I motivated two guys to punch each other in the mouth one time in that area. And I remember I motivated some people to cut class with me in this area. Sometimes we motivate people to do bad things. But what is the scripture telling us we are to motivate people to? Two things, acts of love and good works. In other words, encourage each other. Go up to one of your friends and go, hey man, I noticed that so-and-so was having kind of a rough day. They, they looked like they were really down. Let's go encourage them. Let's go say something to them. Let's go invite them out with us tonight. Let's just, you know, put our arm around them and let them know we're there. Motivating each other towards acts of love. What's an act of love? An invitation to a hangout? Or encouraging word? A pat on the back? A hug? Uh, a listening ear? Hey, are you all right? Why don't you talk to me? I'd love to hear what's going on motivate each other towards acts of now here's the problem this is why we need motivation because on the inside we want to do that man i want to i want to open my heart to this person i want to hug this person i want to be there for this person but i don't know if i should or i don't know how to do it i don't know if they want me to or what if they bite my head off or what if they say no or what if it's this what if it's that we get so into our brain that we eventually just don't do it and then all of a sudden god will send somebody and be like hey man what did you think and you're like that's exactly what i was thinking what would happen if we motivated each other in this room? Example, worship starting, your friends in the back just kind of watching. Instead of judging them or thinking about them or just assuming that they're not worshiping, why don't you go back there and find out? Hey, man, why don't you worship with me in the front? I don't know, I'm uncomfortable there. We'll go together. 
It'll be us. It won't be just you. I'll look silly with you. Come on, worship with me. Encouraging each other, motivating each other to acts of love and good service, to doing things. We got a bunch of stuff going on in the church. We got a a national clean day that we're going to be doing on September 16th. That's where you get with one of your boys, one of your girls, and you go, hey, listen, the church is going to be going around the neighborhood picking up trash. Why would I want to do that? Because it's cool and it's good, and we get to benefit and show the people that we're here for them. Do I get, like, school credit, or do I get paid for it? No, you know, no your jewels are in heaven, but it's a good work. You know what? This church has a history of the youth ministry being the ones that lead the way when it comes to service and attitude. I don't ever want that to slip but it's going to take you motivating each other to do that. Listen, 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 8 through 10. Above everything, love one another earnestly. Don't fake it. Don't, don't pretend to love each other. But the most important thing is that we love one another earnestly. Why? Because love covers over many sins. Open your homes to each other without complaining. Each one, as a good manager of God's different gifts, must use for the good of others the special gift that he has received from God. Listen, some of you have a gift of being an encourager. Anytime people are around you, they feel better about themselves. That's a gift. Use that gift for God. Some of you have a gift of making people laugh. Anytime people are around you, they laugh. Use that gift to bring humor to people's lives. Some of you have a gift to listen. I mean, you're just a phenomenal listener. Because how many know there are bad listeners out there? Right? You know what a bad listener is? A bad listener is you tell them a story and they don't even hear you. They're already thinking up of a story that's better than your story to tell you about what their story is. It's like one time I was swimming in the river. Yeah, one time I swam in the lake. All right, cool. But like, I'm just trying to share my heart. (laughs) You know, one time I went to church. I go to church every week. I get that. Cool. Appreciate that. Can you just shut up and listen to me for a little bit? Listen, sometimes we feel like, well, I'm, I'm more of an introvert. Amazing. You're good at listening. Introvert doesn't mean you're socially awkward. It just means you don't like 50 million people around you. That's cool. You got no problem with that. Get one person in your room. Get one person in, you know, across from you in the back and just say, hey, I noticed you seemed a little off today. Is that just me or something going on? Just open the door and give them an opportunity to share what's going on. Motivate each other. If you know somebody's good at that, encourage them. If you know somebody's got a voice, encourage them to join the worship team. If you know somebody's got skills and talents to decorate, encourage them to join Adorn. Encourage them, if they like tech, to get into the media. Encourage them to show up early. Like Just encourage, motivate one another. The second thing is this. Not only do we need to motivate each other, we have to be careful. Don't neglect meeting together. This is where it becomes hard to motivate you because I can't motivate you if you're not even here. Here's the reality. It's not uncommon for you to want to skip a day of church. Again, we just talked about it, right? Some days you don't feel like it. There's a ride, weather's crazy, something happens, whatever. You skip a day of church. But one day quickly turns to due days, turns to three days, turns to we haven't seen you in forever. And it's easier to maintain that momentum than to try to come back again. Again, I get it like going to that school reunion, like these are people I hung out with every day. I had conversations with every day. I went through some crazy stuff. But because so much time has passed, now I feel awkward even being around them in the same place we used to always hang out together. And that's what happens oftentimes with teenagers. You miss a day or two or three or four. Suddenly you're gone a month or two or a whole semester. Stuff's happening in your life. You know you got to get back to church. You know you got to get right with God. And then there's that hesitation. Well, what are they going to say? What's Pastor Izzy going to think? 
What are the leaders going to think? What are my friends going to think? Like they probably assume I'm doing this or that, or they might even know some of the crazy stuff that you got into. And you think, I don't know how they would react. Not to put it on blast, but Deanna was just looking at you. And I remember, not to get into all the stories, but Deanna was a, a youth in our youth group. And there was a moment where she left. Stuff was going on. It was a lot of craziness. <coughs> and she left. And we didn't see her for, God, months, right? It was a long time. And she was going through it because even though we didn't see her physically, we was looking at the social media like, whoa, she going through it. But we didn't judge her. We didn't yell at her. We didn't, we just like, hey, listen, when she's ready, we're here. And I remember the day she came. We were right in this room. I was in the back in the middle of worship. And I saw her kind of sneakily while worship was going, sneak into the back door and just stand in that middle aisle. And I immediately, I made a beeline out of the back, walked on over, put my arm around her. And all I said was, it's so glad to have you home. And then we both bawled our eyes out like, like it was the, you know, those veteran reunions when the soldier comes back home and everybody, we were just like crying our eyes out. Why? Because even though she wasn't here, we love her. Listen, trust me. Most of the time, what you think other people think is not true. It's just what the enemy tells you they're thinking. Because the enemy will do anything to try to prevent you from getting back in the place that God is calling you to. It's not uncommon, but it's important to recognize it. Listen, Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verse 9 through 10. It says, two people are better off than one, for they can help each other succeed. If one person falls, the other can reach out and help. But someone who falls alone is in real trouble. Come on, some of y'all know, right? Ladies, that's why you don't go to the bathroom by yourself. You never know. They run out of toilet paper. There's some psychopath waiting by the door. I need backup. I need somebody with me. And guys don't act tough. That's why you asked your brother to go to the basement with you. Because you're scared that when you turn the basement light off and you're going up the stairs, that little hand is going to get the back of your ankle. I'm, I'm 38 years old. I'm still scared of that little hand. Right? There's these moments, but it's, it's almost more, it's a lot easier, I should say, when it's two people, when it's three people, because there's power in numbers. Hey, go with me. Hey, I don't want to go by myself. Hey, walk to the bathroom with me. Hey, go to the back with me. Why? I just want a companion. I just want somebody with me. And scripture tells us two people are better off than one. One can help, they can help each other succeed. But if one person falls, the other can reach out and help. But someone who falls alone is in real trouble. If you fall alone and nobody knows where you're at. That's like that story, 127 hours. You guys ever watched that with the mountain, uh, with the rock climber? There was a rock climber who didn't tell anybody where he was going and he went into this desert area and he's climbing through these cliffs and there was this boulder wedged between the two sides and the boulder, for whatever reason, as he was climbing it, unlodged and he fell with the boulder and the boulder got lodged again, only this time with his hand caught between the boulder and the wall and it completely crushed his hand and he was stuck and no one knew where he was. So he couldn't call help. There was no cell phone reception. Nobody knew where to find him. Even after hours, people were looking for him. This man had to drink his own urine. He had to figure out what he was going to do. And eventually he realized, because nobody knows where I am, I'm going to have to cut off my own hand. And so with literally a little Swiss Army knife, this man cuts his tendons, breaks his bone, pulls out, rips his arm off, puts a tourniquet on, and then God willing walks down back towards his car, hoping not to faint in the desert and die while vultures attack him. And by the grace of God, someone found him as they were looking for him in a helicopter and they were able to scoop him up. All of it could have been avoided if he chose not to go alone. Too often we think, hey, listen, I'm better off by myself. No one's better off by themselves. We weren't created to be by ourselves. 
God looked at Adam and Eve and he said, it's not good. Or God looked at Adam, I should say, before he created Eve. And he said, it's not good for man to be alone. But what do you mean alone? Adam was with God. But God understood, you need someone like him. So I'm going to make a helpmate that's suitable for him. And so he made Eve. Listen, the verse in Hebrews goes on to say, uh, as some of you are in the habit of doing, right? Let's not give up meeting together. Some of you are in the habit of doing. When you isolate yourself from other believers, you leave yourself open to attack. Any survival plan includes sticking together. Y'all ever seen like, I don't know, I know you're good Christians, you don't watch horror movies. But I have heard that in some of those movies, it's always that one character like, I'm going to go check the basement, like by themselves. And you're like, they ain't coming back. <laughs> that person is dead, 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 dead. And you know what? It's even true in wildlife. If you ever watch like any of those nature channels and you're watching uh, those herds, like listen, a herd of buffalo are powerful. A herd of wildebeest are powerful, but not one. And what the lion does is he rolls around looking for the one calf, the one wildebeest, the one baby elephant that strayed away from the pack, that drifted off, that got distracted, that went to play. And the lion hunts that baby down who's isolated and attacks. Listen to me. You want to feel the full wrath of the attack of the enemy? Separate from other believers. You're open game. Separate from other believers. Some of you in this room... You are saved by the grace of a praying mother, a praying leader, a praying father, a praying pastor. And you know, you look back and you go, man, I should have been in trouble for that. Or I should have had something worse happen or something this. Like I, something should have happened, but I was covered by somebody else's prayer. Right. But if you isolate yourself and the more and more you isolate yourself, the less people remember you out of sight, out of mind. We don't even think to pray about you anymore because we haven't seen you. And by the way, this always annoys me. Well, nobody reached out. It's a bunch of us. It's one of you. Just come back. It's a lot easier. <laughs> tell us you're missing. Tell, tell us something's going on. Don't just sit there pouting and waiting for Pastor Izzy or one of the leaders to recognize that you haven't been here. Just be here. And if you're having trouble, talk to somebody. And part of that talking is the third thing. Let us not neglect meeting together or somewhere in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another. What's the difference between the encouragement and the motivation? Motivation is the reason to go and do something, but encouragement is trying to get you to do something that you already know you need to do. You already want to do, but I got to encourage you. I got to push you just a little bit. <clears throat> I mentioned that 20 reunion. One of my favorite things of my class, there was one particular year, our sophomore year. Any sophomores in the house? Yes? No? Okay. I love I loved sophomore year. And one of the reasons I love sophomore year, freshman year is kind of scary, like it's new and you're like, uh. Junior year is like when you got to get serious and actually get good grades because you messed up freshman and sophomore year. Senior year, you just want to leave. You're just tired of everybody and everything. You're just ready to go. But sophomore year, you just kind of enjoy it. Like sophomore year is the year to enjoy it. And I remember at the end of our sophomore year, a good majority of us got licenses. And so we all had licenses. Everybody started using their parents' cars. And we all gathered together deep. And we met up at Jewel at one of the last few days of school and we all got Great America season passes. And we decided we are all going to go to Great America together. So we went 60 plus deep of all the sophomore class to Great America. There's like 12 cars. We're all like hollering at each other on the highway, like super geeked up, totally amped to do this. And I'm hyped, man. I'm going with it. Now, here's what most people didn't know. I ain't gotten on a roller coaster at that point yet. Terrified of the idea of roller coasters. Okay, so the whole time I'm like, yeah, yeah. And on the inside, I'm like, no, no, <laughs> like, I, I'm not trying to do it. 
And I remember talking to some of my friends. I'm like, dude, I ain't never been on a roller coaster. I'm kind of nervous. They're like, Joe, you got this, bro. Don't worry about it. I'm like, I don't know. And then, like, I'm talking to them as we're getting in line. I'm like, I don't know. I just don't want to do this. And they're like, Joe, you got this. I'm like, I don't know, guys. And, like, we're getting close to the line. I was like, guys, I think I, you know how you start trying to backtrack? Like, hey, let me just go talk to the person in the back of the line. They're like, no, Joey, come on. You got this. And what you got to understand and the beauty behind this, it wasn't just one person encouraging me. It was 60. Because we all got in the same line for the first ride. And so everybody was there. They're like, come on, Joe, you got this. Don't worry about it. I guess I was the only one scared to get on. So everybody's hyping me up. And I remember we get on the roller coaster and the entire train is just my friends. And there were so many of us that the whole train was my friends. And then the rest of my friends were standing there and everybody started chanting, Joey, Joey, Joe. And I was like, <laughs> having an asthma attack and a half, y'all. I'm dying. They're like, <laughs> but I ain't gonna lie. They encouraged the crap out of me, man. And that roller coaster took off. And when we got back, oh, I love roller coasters. And I got on every roller coaster and I had the time of my life. But I promise you this, I wouldn't have gotten on if I didn't have a team of encouragers. If I didn't have people that I knew backed me up. And you know what? It's funny, that squad is still like that. We had a buddy of ours who just made it to a lower level wrestling uh, federation, not WWE, but one of the lower ones. And uh, he's fighting at the All-State Arena on Saturday. And so one of our friends put it up there. And then all you see in the comment sections are dozens of people. Congratulations, Charlie. So excited for you, Charlie. We appreciate you, man. Proud of you, dude. Like, everybody's just chiming in. I'm like, we was a good class. <laughs> we encouraged each other. Listen, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 14. Just brothers and sisters, we urge you to warn those who are lazy Encourage those who are timid. Take tender care of those who are weak. Be patient with everyone. You know, I tried for many years to encourage people. Listen, there's a number of your leaders in this room that would not have been leaders if we didn't keep encouraging them that they can do it. Every one of them at some point or another were like, I don't think I can. I don't think I'm good enough. I've done this, I've done that. I don't know how to do this. I don't know how to do that. But we came alongside and we said, no. Absolutely. God is going to help you. God will enable you. God will equip you. You can do this. I remember when I was talking to David, and I'm like, David, I think you'd be a great junior high leader. He goes, no, I don't want to do youth leader. I don't like junior high. I'm just here to drum. I'm like, I think you'd be a great junior high leader. Now, he waited till I left, but then he quit everything else and is just wanting to focus in on the junior hires. I guess he really likes you guys. But in the beginning, he fought me on it. In the beginning, he was like, no, it's not going to happen. I just remember, hey, man, I just, I believe you can do it. I think you have what it takes because listen to me, it is not easy to be a junior high leader. That was my least favorite role to have because no offense to the junior highs, but y'all got stories that go nowhere. And like, you just keep telling it. You're just like, and then, and then, um, Pastor Ray, and then my friend, and then my friend was, was, came over and then my friend, uh, my friend came, my friend came over and I was just like, what did your friend do? Finish your story, man. <laughs> but not David, not Kiana. They just would sit there, listen. I'm like, praise God for people like you, people like Sal, people like Primo, who would just sit there and nod and make you feel like a million bucks. And I'm like, man, that, that either is really honest or they are phenomenal liars because I don't know how long they're able to take that. Actually, I do know it's because they love you. And because they got encouraged to do so. Because somebody was sitting there listening to them when they were really annoying junior hires. You want to talk about an annoying junior hire? Edwin? Woo, Jesus. 
Edwin with his little Papi Chulo Puerto Rican haircut from Humboldt Park. Super loud, did not understand indoor volume. I mean, still doesn't understand indoor volume. That man was born with a built-in mic in his throat. But we stuck around. Kept with it. Why? Because we had people that encouraged us. Even me. I remember never, pastoring was never really on my radar as far as something that I thought was believable. I just, I remember thinking, I, I feel like God's calling me to do that. And it took some incredible people in my life to come alongside me and say, Joey, you're made for this. The Lord is calling you to this. I want to encourage you. And they would push me out of my comfort zone just a little bit every time. Push me out of my comfort zone. Get me to do certain things. Encourage me. Motivate me. To this day, wonderful, wonderful friends of mine that are still in that corner, even though we're all in kind of the same positions now, we're encouraging one another. But I'll never forget how much they encouraged a young 20-something-year-old who didn't think he was qualified and didn't think he was good enough. I had a number of people in this corner that saw something that I wasn't willing to see for myself, all because they were willing to encourage me. The crazy thing is, when you encourage someone, it actually encourages you. Notice how Paul describes it when writing to his friend. In Romans chapter 1, verse 10 through 12, one of the things I always pray for is the opportunity, God willing, to come at last to see you. For I long to visit you so I can bring you some spiritual gift that will help you grow and stand strong in the Lord. When we get together, I want to encourage you in your faith, but I also want to be encouraged by yours. When someone encourages you, believes in you, motivates you suddenly you want to encourage them you want to believe them you want to motivate them David it's like having a spotter it's someone that's in your corner that's saying hey I know you don't think you can lift it it's five pounds more than you've ever lifted but you've been working hard David you got this and isn't it cool I don't know if some of you guys are in the gym but it's really cool when especially during sports when it's one guy trying to do maybe a, a PR squat and he's getting under that and then the whole team rallies around and everyone's like yeah yeah and this guy's like going nuts like he's about to run through a brick wall and then he hits it and he gets up and he makes that squat and the whole gym goes nuts why? because he lifted heavy things right. <laughs> but it's a big deal to the one who was able to do it yeah. because I had somebody that motivated me Guys, the roller coaster wasn't a big deal. The people were. It's not what necessarily we're motivating you toward, although many of those things are powerful when it's in the Lord. But it's simply the fact that you are being motivated by somebody who believes in you because Christ believes in you. Worship team, if you could help me out. Let me go back to the first verse in Ephesians. I'm sorry, in Hebrews. It says, let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. And let us not neglect our meeting together, as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. Especially now. What does that mean? That means time is short. That means you're not promised tomorrow. It's important that we recognize that you don't know how many opportunities you're going to have. I did a number of camps this summer all across the country. And almost every camp I went to, somebody at that camp within a week or two later passed away. Crazy things too. One kid got shot at a park. One lady was on a golf cart, accidentally fell over, hit her head, had a brain aneurysm and died. Like just little crazy things. And I remember they didn't scare me, it motivated me. Because when I get up in front of people, I realize, man, this might be my only chance. Because I don't know if I'm going to get to talk to you tomorrow. I don't know if I'm going to have this opportunity. 
especially now as the time is short and the time of the Lord is drawing near. I mentioned that trip to Great America when I was 15, 16 years old. That same summer, a lot of wild stuff was going on in my life. And a friend of mine invited me to a place called Excel Youth Ministry. And I met Jesus Christ in a real and powerful way in this very room. He became my best friend, my closest confidant, my greatest motivator, encourager, the reason why I do what I do and I am who I am. But I remember a few years after that, maybe just a couple, I remember hanging outside after school with all those same friends that we went to in Great America. But things felt different that time. I didn't want to do the things that they were doing anymore. I wanted to do what God was calling me to do, what Jesus was asking of me. But because I was trying to hold on to both my relationship with Christ and my relationship with them, I felt like I was belonging in neither camp. I felt like I wasn't committed enough to be fully in with the Lord and I wasn't committed enough to be fully in with my friends. And so I was a band with no destination and no place. When you try to live in two worlds, you really end up living in none. I was at a crossroads. I had to choose between my friendship with God and my friendship with the world. It's not saying that those friends were bad. They're great people. I was just talking to them, not just Saturday, but throughout the week. Really great people. I'm going to that wrestling match to see my buddy wrestle and going with a couple of friends there. But at the time where I was in life, I needed to make a distinct separation in order to be fully committed to God because I was still being torn between two places. And I had to make a decision. Am I going to be hood or am I going to be holy? Am I going to fit in or am I going to stand out and be holy? Like, I couldn't do the two things. Not yet. Now I'm super holy and I can get hood on you if you want to test me. But in that moment, I needed to decide who I was going to be. I had to choose. Obviously, I chose God. But I was so scared because I thought that meant that I would be alone forever. Because as I looked out, I felt like, well, nobody else chooses God. It's just me. Everybody else is getting high and sleeping with each other and doing you know, all types of things and getting drunk. And like, everybody else is over there. And I feel like I'm the only one over here. But God, knowing what we need, surrounded me with friends that desired the same relationship with God. As a matter of fact, many of those friends eventually went from that friend group to my church group. Friends like Josiah's dad, who I met in high school and is now one of the elders on our board, and his mom, my friend Divine, my friend Yolanda, who's married to Kirby, who runs our media department. Like, like God started bringing in friends of mine, old friends and new friends. But what God understood is you don't need them, you need relationships. And so I'm going to bring relationships into your life that are going to strengthen you, that are going to encourage you, that are going to motivate you, and are going to draw you closer to me. And this is why it's so important for us to be together. Because listen to me, hear this. If you haven't heard anything else, pay attention to this. If the persons that are closest to you are not close to God, then neither are you. If the persons closest to you are not close to God, then you aren't close to God either. Well, how can you say that? Well, if this is God, 
and these are my friends, and they're not close to God. We're just all right here. How can I say I'm close to God? No, I'm close to them. It's my boys. Thank you. Appreciate you. But the difference is, if I'm close to God, and David's close to God, come on, David, help me out. Right? And Primo's close to God. Come on, Primo, you're tall. Live with me. And Josiah's close to God. And as we all are getting close to God, guess what? I'm going to get close to you. What's up, David? Nice to meet you. Hey, come here, Josiah. You're close to God, right? You can be close to me. Come here, Primo. You're close to God. You're going to be close to me. And then suddenly, guess what? That's how I met my wife. Because I met a woman who was close to God while I was being close to God. And we stood next to each other, and I said, how you doing? What you doing around this whole godly place? (laughs) Why don't we enter into holy matrimony? Thank you, fellas. You can help me out. (coughs) Listen. Some of you got to be willing to make that move before anybody else makes that move. Even if you find yourself standing next to God by yourself. It takes one, but then other people gather. By the way, I know you guys are already back in school. Can I give you my secret toward the morning hangout? Especially if you're one of those people that's like, man, I don't know how to jump into groups. Like there's all these groups of people. I don't know what group I fit in. I'm gonna give you the best secret out there. This was my mood or my method when I was in grade school. What I would do is I would wake up at the earliest possible time I could. And I would get to school before anybody else ever got to school. I'm talking like 6.30, I was at school. I was the first one there. And I would sit on the bench by myself. But guess what? When you're the first and somebody shows up, who's the second? Hey, Joey. Hey, what's up? He came and sat next to me. Next person sat next to us. Next thing you know, the whole group formed around my bench. Because that's where I was hanging out. I didn't even have to try. I'm just in the middle of the circle. Just enjoying life. I decided to stand near God. And as people started coming close to the Lord, I drew them close to me. And I started to build these relationships and these friendships. Why? Because I was willing to be first. Because I wasn't waiting for everybody else to make that decision. And even some of my old friends, like I said, came to know Jesus. and came back into my life even stronger. One last thing, when I was on this tour, I saw a friend of mine from my old division, 372. And uh, she came with her husband. She had been living in Hawaii and in Baltimore, so I really hadn't seen her since graduation. It's been 20 years. And I remember we're talking, making small talk, getting ready to go. And she got real serious for a moment. She looks at her husband. She said, this is the man who reconnected my life with God when he took me to his youth group Excel. Guys, can I tell you the truth? I forgot I brought her. I was bringing everybody back then. <laughs> Literally, I would bring van loads of people, 14, 15 people at a time. But she never forgot. She never forgot that I brought her together, not just with me, but with the very presence of God. Stand up for me if you can. I wonder 20 years from now, how many of your friends are going to say the same thing? Hey, this is Devin. He's the one that brought me to youth group and rekindled my relationship with God. Hey, this is Judd. He's the one that encouraged me to come back to church. Hey, this is Jazia. She's the one that wanted to really push me, to motivate me. And then I also wonder how many people in 20 years aren't going to have that story. Because even here, you weren't a part of the thing. You're just kind of on your own. Last one in, first one out never coming together to do anything that God has called you to do. Here's how we're going to close. In a moment, I'm going to ask you to spread across the aisle. 
and I want you to hold the hand of your neighbor. Not yet, because some people's hands are sweaty and I want to give you instructions before we get all these sweaty palms everywhere. But I need you to hear me out. (laughs) What are you going to do with the time that God has given you in this ministry? Because we don't need more people to just show up. We need people to show out. You are the core here. The ministry belongs to you. So one day when you stand before God, you will be held accountable with the thing that he's given you to be in charge of. So what are you going to do with that? Are you going to take on of it? Some of you, you're going to have to separate from people in the room who aren't willing to be together with everybody else. And that's okay. That's okay. I got to do me with God. If you don't want to do you with God, then that's cool. You know where to find me. But my relationship with God is more important than my relationship with anybody else. And here's the reality. If we all come close to our relationship with God, then we all come close to each other. And as we're with each other, we can encourage each other. We can motivate each other. We can make sure that we're not skipping days and we're we're in it. Why? Because we're together. So I'm going to ask you all across this room, just hold the hand of your neighbor. Wipe your hands real quick. Make sure you don't got no weird sweaty palm. All across the aisle, even across the middle aisle. Here's what I want you to do. In a moment, I'm going to ask you to pray. And I want you to start by praying for the person on your right. If you're on the end, you can pray for the person on this other side. You don't need to know their name. You just see them real quick. And guy with the green shirt. That's all you got to know. God knows his name and the hairs on his head. Okay? And then when we pray for that for a little bit, then I'm going to ask you to pray for the person on your left. And same thing. If you're on the end, you pray for the brother on the other end. Okay? We're going to take some time. We're going to pray for each other. We're going to be in this together. Because this is your youth ministry. And God is calling you to do something with that. Amen? So come on, I'm going to encourage you. Leaders, students, would you begin to pray for the person on your right? You don't know what they're going through. You don't know what's happening in their life. But would you just be an encourager? Would you be a motivator? Would you lift up your voice so they can hear you?